You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. So throughout Advent, we have been doing a sermon series on the majesty, Jesus' story like you've never seen it before. Looking at different people from the perspective of Joseph this morning to uh, Mary's mother to many other different people that we have been looking at. Do you realize that most of our mental issue, mental, mental issues, mental images about Christmas come from medieval art? That was a slip. And Christmas cards? On Friday night, the message is about the wise men. But think about this for just a moment. And there's a reason I'm bringing it up tonight. How many Christmas cards show three wise men coming to the Christ child just minutes after his birth? If you read the biblical account carefully, it could have been up to two years after Jesus was born that the Magi offered their tribute to the child. Herod sought out the male children two years old and younger. We have no idea how many wise men actually came. Christmas cards show three. The biblical account does not give a number. We know it was more than one because the Bible talks about men plural. But was it two? Was it three? Was it six? We don't know. Because the story in Matthew doesn't tell us. You don't believe me? You're sure you've seen it there? In Matthew 2, as a matter of fact, the number 3 is not even mentioned in chapter 2 of Matthew. Ever. The unnumbered magi brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that's why we've always assumed that there was three magi. If we're confused about the Magi, then we probably are really misinterpreting the shepherds as well. We have an image of gentle folks singing sweet songs by a campfire. In fact, shepherding was a despised occupation in this day and age that we're talking about. The picture of shepherds in the field getting ready to hear angels sing evokes a positive pastoral image for us. It reminds us of Jesus' association with the line of David. In the first century, shepherds were generally scorned as shiftless, dishonest people who grazed their flocks on others' lands. They weren't the pleasant hallmark faces we're used to seeing this time of year. We have sentimentalized them so our Christmas cards and our art that they look like gentlefolk waiting to go to a homecoming celebration. But really, no picture is farther from reality. That's why when David is called in from the fields, being picked as the king of Israel, everybody's in shock. The shepherd boy? Are you kidding me? He's ruddy. He's dirty. He's not a king. Yet that is the exact one that God picked. Now notice whom the angels first go to share the news with. Notice whom the angels tell, the shepherds. Isn't that strange? I want the angels to do something widescreen and high definition, don't you? I want them to shout it from the mountaintops and parade the streets of Jerusalem shouting, wake up and hear this. The Savior has come. 
The angels should have gone to the temple to tell the religious leaders that God was doing what God was doing. They should have gone to the governor and let him know that something awesome was happening in Bethlehem. They should have gone to Herod. After all, he was the current king of Judah. Judea, they should have told him that God was doing a great thing in Bethlehem and that the king of kings had been born. Why didn't they? When Moses was born, God delivered him straight to the top, right to Pharaoh. But the angels, instead of telling somebody important, announced Messiah's birth to a ragtag bunch of shepherds standing in a field smelling like sheep in more than one way. That's not what we would do to tell. That's not, that's not what we would tell them to do. That's not what we would have done. But that's the way God wanted it. That's the way he set it up. Why? Why, thank God, he set it up that way. Because he set it up that way, you and I have hope this evening. Because he set it up that way, it is not about the high political influence of people in America today. Because he set it up today, it doesn't matter how many much money I have in my checking account. It matters what I'm doing with my eternal soul. Because he set it up that way, I have a chance to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Had he not set it up that way. No chance. Had he only come to reach political high powers, had he only come to the governor, had he only come to the the president, had he only come to all these higher powers, what chance does little old Brett Kindig have? Let alone any of you. But because he came to the shepherds, Here's the first point. On, it's a sermon outline on your bulletin. You can fill it in if you would like. Here's the first point. He came because of them and us. He came because of them and us. In this account, we discover the heart of God and the meaning of the birth of his child. Here's a graphic picture of Jesus, the one sent to lowly and to outcast people. Not with grand fireworks like I would have done. No, in a back corner of some cave somewhere in Bethlehem. He couldn't even find room in the inn, whatever that looked like. In this picture, we're reminded that Jesus came for people like shepherds. The shepherds, not the religious elite, as the shepherd's wife said this evening. Not the political savvy, as she said this evening. Or the rulers of the people, because he become the, he, or the rulers of the people. He became the metaphor for the kind of people like the shepherds that he came to save. Listen to the power of this text that I read for you earlier, but I want to reread this section. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. 
Today is the town in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. The angels came to the shepherds, people who were doing what they did every day and every night, people going through the routines of life, people living their ordinary lives. There was nothing exciting about shepherding except for if a wolf tried to come and get one of your sheep. There was a lot of downtime. There was a lot of loneliness. It was kind of just routine going through life. And as I thought about these shepherds tonight, in preparation for this message, I wonder how many of us have been going through the routine of life and wondering if we really matter. Is the world a different place? Does God really care? Does my ministry really matter? Isn't that what the birth of Jesus is all about? It's about God meeting us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Not on our high holy days. Not when we're riding on cloud nine. Not when everything seems to be going well and our prayers seem to be hitting the, the ears of God and he's answering everything. No, it's in the times when we are in our ordinary places. It's in the times when we are losing the battle. It is in the times when anxiety and depression have overcome. That it is in those times that Jesus shows up to people like shepherds. People that are just doing ordinary life. Just trying to battle for every day they have. The birth of this child is about God coming to us in our everyday lives. And here's what he's saying to you and me tonight. Don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you the greatest Good news. The greatest good news. Powerful. What's that good news about? That good news is about God meeting us in our pain and loneliness. It's, it'll be up on the screen. It's about God meeting us in our frustration and our anger. It's about God meeting us on Monday and Wednesday and Friday and Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday. Yes, he will even meet us tomorrow morning, that dreaded Monday morning. It's about God wanting to be a part of our lives every day, every second, every minute, even when we aren't faithful to him. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of God I need. Because there are plenty of times when frustration and anger take over. And I don't need a God who says, you know what? You're not perfect. Get out of my kingdom. I need a God who comes into a shepherd's life, to a person's life who's just going through ordinary life. Just, just a, a dirty old person. And ministers to them in the mundane of their routine. 
I need a God who cares about me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, when I'm good and when I'm naughty. By the way, thank God the kingdom of heaven isn't built on Santa's list. It's built on the grace of a God who came to us in Bethlehem in a humble but yet powerful way. It's not built on whether we're naughty or nice. Sure, it's good to be nice more than naughty. But thank God the blood covers the times that we miss the mark. I think that's why God sent the angels to the shepherds. To let us know that this child was for all people, even the most ordinary people. This illustration came up when I was doing a little research for this. And here's what it says. His name was Bill. He had wild hair, wore a t-shirt with holes in it, jeans and shoes with no socks. This was his wardrobe during four years of college. This is not Bill that goes to our church, by the way, okay? Though mildly eccentric, he has a brilliant, he was a brilliant person. He became a Christian while attending college. Across from the campus was a traditional church. They wanted to develop a ministry to students, but weren't sure how to go about it. One day, Bill decided to go worship there. He walked in with his wild hair, T-shirt, and holes in it, jeans, shoes with no socks. The service had started. Bill started down the aisle looking for a seat, but the church was packed. By now, people were looking at a bit uncomfortable, but no one said anything. Bill got closer and closer to the front. Then he realized there are no seats in this place. So he sat down on the floor. Although perfectly acceptable behavior at a college fellowship, this had never happened in this church before. By now, the people were really uptight and the tension. You could cut the tension with a knife. A deacon slowly made his way towards Bill. The deacon was in his 80s, a distinguished man with silver-gray hair and a three-piece suit, and he walked with a cane. Everyone thought, you can't blame him for what he's going to do. How could you expect a man of his age and background to understand some college kid thinking he can worship sitting on the floor? It took time for the man to reach the boy. The church became utterly silently except, silent except for the clicking of the man's cane on the tiled floor. Boom, boom. All the eyes focused on him. When the elderly deacon got next to the boy, he dropped his cane to the floor. With great difficulty, he didn't say anything. He lowered himself and asked Bill, Can I sit with you? The man sat down next to Bill and worshiped with him. So he wouldn't be alone. See, that's the kind of Jesus that comes to us. I remember a similar story. I was a part of a church plant in the Evangelical Congregational Church in East Berlin. And I was doing youth ministry. And one day we had this volleyball tournament where we literally went out to the, to the neighborhoods of East Berlin, Pennsylvania. If you don't know what East Berlin is, it's like farmlands. That's basically it. There's a neighborhood here, then there's like four acres, then there's another neighborhood over here. 
And so we just traveled the neighborhood. We knocked on the doors and we said to every kid in every neighborhood, every teenager, listen, we're going to play volleyball at six o'clock at this address. It's our pastor's address, the lead pastor of the church plant. Come and join us. All right, so we were ready. We had all the fellowship people ready. We had all the cupcakes ready. We had all the food ready. We had volleyball ready. We were ready. Then the kids started to come. And some of them used language that wasn't appropriate for church. And some of them looked a little different than what our folks that were planting this church thought they should. I remember one dear soul, I'll say it that way, so I'll be nice tonight, looked at me and said, what are you going to do about this? What am I going to do about what? I mean, there's some pretty crazy kids out there, Pastor Brett. Yeah, some pretty crazy kids that need Jesus. Some pretty crazy kids that Jesus came for. You're right, there's some crazy kids out there. See, that's what the birth of Jesus means. It means radical action. It means radical behavior. It means radical gospel. It means a radical savior, and it means a radical God. There was nothing ordinary about this night for the shepherds. Can you imagine sitting out in a field, pitch black, pitch black? You know, maybe, maybe a fire was going. Maybe they, they say that that could have been going on, although this wasn't necessarily during December. Um, in fact, that we don't believe it was during December. And so there was a little bit of warmer weather, so we don't even know if the fire was going. And all of a sudden, these spotlights come on. And they're not built in like our spotlights are. They just, boom! And angels from everywhere. You know, tonight while some people were walking in, I was kind of doing this to see, because I was like not used to the spotlights quite yet, and I was doing this. I can imagine the shepherds kind of going like, this. What? what in the world? It's pretty radical. But number two, learning from the shock and all of it all. Here's what, you can only imagine the first reaction of the shepherds. They were scared to death. They understood the appearance of the angels as an omen, as though God were bringing his wrath upon them, maybe. To calm their fears, the angels' first words out of their mouths are, do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. With that, the heavens opened with glorious music, and the heavenly chorus praised God and said these words in verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Can you imagine that? In the midst of an ordinary night, ordinary shepherds encountered an extraordinary God. The shepherds must have been surprised that God broke into their ordinary lives. For us, Christ sometimes breaks into our lives when we least expect it. Doesn't he? God met the shepherds when and where they least expected him to be. 
After all, that's what the birth of Jesus means, reaching us when and where we least expect to be met. This morning I shared with our congregation an illustration from a new hobby that I picked up, and that's coaching basketball. There's a Christian school about 20 minutes away from here on Mooresville, Pennsylvania called King's Academy, and I'm coaching their middle school boys basketball team. I can't tell you how many times we're in practice or we're in a game and I find myself getting really into the game and really into the, the event. And God shows up. I can't tell you how many times I've been looking for something to do other than pastoring a church and thinking about church for 24-7 and then an email comes from an athletic director and says, we need coaches. And if you played basketball in high school, we need you. And not because I needed something else to fill my schedule, because trust me, I didn't. But because I could see myself slipping into a very deep situation. And God showed up. And if you know me or if you want to trust my wife tonight, which you should because she's a trustworthy person, she will tell you that the last few weeks I've been a different person in a good way. Why? Because God showed up when I least expected it. Through seven basketball players who just want my attention. In fact, I sent a text message to the athletic director of King's Academy the other day, and I said, listen, there's three things I love. Jesus, basketball, and kids. And you've given me every one of those. Basketball. Who would have thunk it? That Jesus would care about basketball. But he cares about our ordinary lives, so why wouldn't he? God met the shepherds right where they least expected to be met. And he'll do the same for you. Trust me, he will. Number three, and finally, seeing is believing, dot, 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 Sometimes. And the heavenly chorus sang glory to God after this powerful display of praise. The shepherds just had to see for themselves. So they ran off to Bethlehem to experience what the angels had told them. When they got to Bethlehem, here's what happens in verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed and what the shepherds had to say, or what the shepherds said to them. You see, when God offers grace, the appropriate response is exuberant, exuberant joy. That's the appropriate response. 
Eventually, the whole world would celebrate the coming of this child. But for now, only the shepherds knew what had happened in Bethlehem. The result was a response that should arise from all God's people. The shepherds returned to the flocks, glorifying and praising God, according to verse 20 of Luke. Reading Luke's account, we're filled with wonder. We expect something miraculous. We expect the amazement to continue. We want the mystery of the moment to continue because if we're really honest with ourselves, we long for something amazing in our lives. We want something more than just the mundane over and over again. Our routines are so predictable and, 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 and over and over again. Our schedules are so frantic and programmed. Our children are so busy with schoolwork, school activities, sports, church. Our days are so packed with stuff. I wonder if we allow ourselves time, like the shepherds, to just live. Yet as we hear the angels singing and shepherds hurrying and Mary pondering, we feel we may just find a little time to wonder. Yet again, we're struck by the normalness. Probably if I was honest with you, what I was feeling many, many weeks ago was, I'm just going through the motions. And now the motions have changed. And that's a good thing. The challenge for us is always to find ways of celebrating the presence of God in the ordinary moments of everyday life. Let me tell you one more story. You're gonna, I promise I will not be using basketball illustrations the rest of this time. In fact, I'm off the next two Sundays, so you don't need to hear my basketball illustrations at all. Can I tell you what brings me joy? I had this little boy on my team, and I talked about him this morning. He was little, little Jacob, and we're playing this Christian school called Windsor Christian School the other night, and we're in our final timeout, and it's the cutest thing. It was just, it was, it was like God gave me a glimpse of life new. And so he, he's pulling on my shirt while we're in the timeout, and I'm like, Jake, what do you want? He goes, Coach, Coach. If I could just play for 14 seconds, I would love it. And we're up by 22 at this time, and I said, how about I let you play for a minute and 20 seconds? And Jake's smile goes from a little bit to, all right. And then he gets out on the court, and Jake gets the ball, and he shoots it, and he airballs it, and it goes out of bounds. But do you know what I do? I look at Jake, and I go, Jake. Great shot, man. Great shot. Do it again next time. And you know what Jake does? Jake puts his hands in the air and he runs down like he just won the NCAA tournament. He's celebrating the whole way down the court. I just took a shot in a real basketball game. Do you know what that was to Jake? That was Jesus to Jake. Poor Jake. He just needed something to encourage himself. He was so caught up in the routine. He needed something new. And of course, I'm, I'm going through all these basketball games and I'm thinking of our Christmas services and I'm like, Jake. Jake. 
He's caught in the mundane. And he just needed to take a shot. Who cares what happens? He just needed something new. Maybe you're like Jake this morning. You just need the smile of a friend. You just need a meal to share with someone. You just need the beauty of good music. Or you just need another chance at something. Perhaps the words of this familiar carol that I used to start this sermon series, and I will use it tonight to semi-end this sermon series. We got Friday yet. Might give you that thought. Here's the carol. I wonder as I wonder out under the sky how Jesus the Savior did come to die for poor, ornery people like you and like I. I wonder as I wonder out under the sky, when Mary birthed Jesus, t'was in a cow stall, with wise men and farmers and shepherds and all. But high from God's heaven a star's light did fall, and the promise of ages it then did recall. If Jesus had wanted for any wee thing, a star in the sky or a bird on the wing, or all of God's angels in heaven for to sing, he surely could have caused, could have had it, because he was the king. Timothy Keller says it well in his book, Hidden Christmas, which, by the way, if you have not read this book, Hidden Christmas, you need to buy it. We ourselves are in a very similar position. The authors of the Bible, in some cases, did literally see angels, or they had revelations directly from God, or in the apostles' case, they knew Jesus Christ personally. The authors of the Bible go, Bible go visions and revelations, be, but we get just a book. And along with it, communication. Communicators who are very human preachers, teachers, and messengers. This is a serious problem for society like ours, which seems to have a culture-wide attention deficit disorder. It's extraordinarily easy to not only hear the Word of God because it comes to us through such non-spectacular means, but it is truth. And that truth, my friends, the truth that we're talking about, the good news that the shepherds heard about, will change your heart and life like it changed the shepherds' lives. If we wonder as we wonder, if we allow the word of truth to sink in deep and allow him to change our lives by changing our hearts, then and only then will we be changed by the work God did for us on Christmas. That's it. That's it. In America, we have these sitting on shelves all across bookshelves in every bookstore that you want them. And sometimes, because they're so well-known, they get put to the other side. In other countries where they're tearing out pieces just to have one little page, the hunger for the Word of God is like no other.
May we experience Jesus like the shepherds did. May we want him to be a part of our lives. May we allow him to come into our mundane where we're out in the fields just doing our thing. Over and over again, whatever that looks like. And may we allow him to change our lives. That's the call of the shepherds tonight. Change their lives. We don't know what a shepherd's wife really thought, but that was a pretty good portrayal that we started with tonight. I'm sure they went home and just about knocked over the front door. He chose me. And he chose you. And he wants to use us both. Let's pray together. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to learn from the shepherds tonight. What a story. Just little old dirty shepherds doing their job, watching sheep, probably sleeping a little bit, Minding their own business and you, Lord, you come in with a bunch of angels and just interrupt their entire night. But because you did that, you gave each of us that sit in this room tonight, each of us that maybe even are even watching from home tonight, a chance at the hope of Jesus Christ wrecking our lives in a good way. I'm so very thankful, Lord, that you love me when I'm faithful and you love me when I'm not. I'm so very thankful, Lord, that you love me when I'm good and you love me when I'm naughty. And I'm so very thankful that you extend grace to me in times and you extend love to me and you never, ever, ever kick me while I'm down. You simply pick us up and say, oh, my son or my daughter. Let's keep walking. Let's keep watching the impact that I will make on lives. Thank you, Lord, for the shepherd's story. Thank you that you have crashed our plans. Thank you that you continue to crash our plans. And that you do what you need to do in each of our hearts and lives like you did to those shepherds on that first Christmas night. For Lord, it's in your name we pray this all. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com. 